Mr. Thorne. Oh, man. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Shall we get started? Still, yeah, I don't have headphones in. Can you hear me all right, or should I put headphones in? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Well, also, I don't, I don't have it fully set up yet, but I thought you'd be interested to know. You got the hookup? Nice. See, I'm just thinking about, you know, I got jealous yesterday, so we had this AMA with Matt. I don't know if you caught any of it, but his camera quality was incredible. Like, just hmm. looked really nice. And I think he was using... <clears throat> have you seen these apps where you can um, use your iPhone camera as your webcam? Oh, yeah. I think... Isn't that built into the new iOS? Oh, slick. Maybe it is. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, because, like, the, the last few times I've tried to do that, um, I've, I've gotten on huddles in, in, uh, um, in Slack. Slack. Yeah. It turns it turns on the camera on my phone. I couldn't figure out why it was doing that. And Tyler was like, "Oh, it's the new iOS feature that like lets you use your camera for that's for video. crazy." Yeah, yeah. I gotta try that because <clears throat> I was just I was just so jealous of his camera quality. And it's like the yeah the camera on the newer iPhones are just so good now. So I gotta try that out. But yeah, so we had this um we had this AMA with Matt Hodges from Atlassian, formerly Intercom and Loom yesterday um tons of great stuff you know we've got the recording of that if folks want to check it out but one thing we spent a little time on um and i was just blown away i love this topic and matt had some great suggestions here but i thought maybe we could spend a little more time on it here is just like diving into some SaaS home pages it's kind of like mm. the most important i've always thought it was like the most important thing in your marketing like maybe that's maybe that's hyperbole or you know like not fair to like other marketing activities that are super important but especially if you're doing B2B SaaS, like I totally think like a good homepage can make or break your business. It's the front door of your business. And, you know, especially as we move more and more into PLG world where buyers are kind of trying and learning, you know, a lot on their own um, before talking to you, potentially not talking to you at all. Um, just the information and, you know, context you set when they come to your homepage is just so, so important. So, and I know, you know, having been at, at Atlassian and in the Jira family for so long, you, <clears throat> you have felt this too, Jake. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt. I, I've always, I've always thought about it similar to the, the phrase that you only get one chance to make a first impression. Mm, yeah. Um, which is, it, it's a, just a truism of life. And it's like, that's the way you should think about your homepage. Someone hears about you or clicks on a link or, However, they get to your site. The first thing they see, you know, and in that in that split second, you've got their attention. It's like you're making a first impression, and you've got one chance to make it. Yeah. And of course, the question is, do you? Is it something that's going to be intriguing, mm -hmm. curious enough to stay, make you want to scroll, yep. or is it something that is going to either confuse people or bore people to the point where they're just like, well, uh, this is one one less tab. I've already got 17 tabs open in my Chrome. I don't need an 18th, and yeah, uh, I need to go back and do whatever I was doing 30 seconds ago. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that first impression and, and that is your homepage, right? That, that is specifically that the job, as you just said, of the homepage is to, is to introduce someone and get them engaged. And you've got to, in many cases, one shot. And these days, you know, I, I always hear the phrase thrown around that people have the attention span of a goldfish. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> you've got that, whatever, four to eight seconds to, to get people, get people in or make them shrug and, Go back to TikTok. That's why we're killing it on TikTok now. 
That's right. We're going to get you either way. Yeah, exactly. But hopefully you can't, you can't hide from us. If you don't like what we have on our homepage, we're coming for you on TikTok. Yeah. Well, those algorithms, we've vowed those algorithms. Yep. We'll see you there. Um, but no, it's a good point. And, um, one thing that came up a lot when Matt and I were talking, we didn't plan this, but just like a recurring kind of, uh, motif that came up or as we talked about websites is just like, the kind of balancing <clears throat> acts and kind of like the balance and like the thread, the needle of, you know, is this too literal, too descriptive, or is this, you know, yes. too far on the other side where it's too opaque and, you know, ambitious and too up in the clouds. And that to me, like, I think back on all the kind of conversations and debates and headaches I've had doing SAS websites over the years, a lot of it comes down to that, whether it's some copy or some image or the design or something, a lot of it comes back to like, is this, do we have the right balance on this? Is this dialed too much one way or the other, whether it's like too literal and kind of clinical or too, yep. is it too aspirational and too kind of marketing? And that's where you get in these spots where, you know, the kind of common complaint of like, just tell me what you do. Um, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of websites out there that are doing, you look at them and you're like, okay, like I can't, I can't even really suss out what you guys are trying to sell me here. It's so, yep. so far into the marketing fluff. Um, but then like, t- just tell me what you do. That's an easy thing to say, but then it's like, um, you still have to do some marketing and advertising. Like you can't just have like a very clinical black and white description. Like you wouldn't sell anything, right? Like as, as much yeah. as, you know, I don't know, like engineers or someone thinks would, would like to just tell you, like, just put a very basic description of the thing. That's all you need to do. It's like, no, you need to kind of like present it in the most flattering context possible. So how you do that and how you find the balance, I think yeah, it's, it's art and science of it. it. It is exactly an art and science. And and I think you're right. I think the, the, the funny thing about, about the homepage discussion and, and everything we're talking about, not a funny thing. The interesting thing is that <clears throat> you do have to, you do have to, to, to walk that fine line. I think it's very true that, you know, it's another truism that people don't buy a product, they buy a better ver- version of themselves. You've, I'm sure you've heard that. And so there has to be some sort of aspirational uh, mm-hmm. component that is sort of selling the vision, selling the value, selling the benefit. Um, but you're right. At the same time, as we were just talking about, it's this balancing act between uh, doing that, but also saying, hey, just again, I've got the attention span of a goldfish. I just need to understand what the hell you do and if it's going to help me. And the interesting thing about, you know, having now, of course, you know, you and I have an interesting perspective on this. I think having worked at Atlassian, but um, as the whole world has shifted in the last decade to online everything, you know, it used to be in the in the more old fashioned sales world, you pick an ICP and you go after that ICP. It's like, okay, this is my VP of product, and I'm gonna have a specific message for my VP of product, mm-hmm. and I can craft that message. I can hone it to speak to them. I know exactly what they want. I know what their pain points are. I know how. I can balance, make that balance. I know how busy they are. I can strike the right balance of like how aspirational am I in my communication to them mm-hmm. versus how benefit value oriented, how feature focused, whatever. The problem is that, <clears throat> you know, we're getting thousands of views to the website a day. You don't know who that is. And so you're, you're trying to, without watering it down, you're trying to solve all these things at once. You're trying to be aspirational for those people who need, who need a, who want a better version of themselves. You're trying to I think specifically for the developer audience, oftentimes the developer audience, which is largely immune to marketing speak, they just want to know 
what what tech is this? What's it doing? How's it going to work? Is it something I can, it's going to make my life easier? But it's like, if you've got a thousand people coming to your site a day, it's like, how do you know? Is this an IC? Is this a VP? Is this mm-hmm. what persona? Is it a dev? Is it a marketer? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's obviously tools out there that are trying to trying to help you do this. But as you know, I mean, there's to some degree, you're never, especially with privacy blockers and stuff, you're never going to know everything about who's coming to your website. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very interesting world because you you're, you're not only trying to straddle those differences between selling a better version of yourself versus selling the product, mm-hmm. but you're also trying to do it at scale, mm-hmm. and you don't know who's who's coming in, who's seeing that, and right. so um, it's an interesting it's an interesting world, interesting challenge, but also kind of makes I think makes it yeah yeah it's, it's, it's half the fun in my, in my view. No, it is it is fun. It's super exciting, and that you know that uh, I'm kind of glad you brought that up. Like there was. And this came up a little bit yesterday too. Like there was an era where the the first the first impression was not your website; it was some sales conversation. And it's like, yeah, yep. maybe along the way someone will find your way to the website if you even have one. Um, but largely, it was like a kind of relationship driven, kind of one to one kind of buyer journey from start to finish. And the website, as this like one to many communication tool, was an afterthought. And for a long time in, you know, in enterprise software and B2B software, like the kind of, um, that just sort of like era and culture of treating the website as an afterthought, I think lingered for a long time, but I I look at the sort of like current wave of B2B SaaS startups and companies. And we're going to look at some today, um, as just like a whole new kind of generation and like doing really exciting things and like really like creating an emotional response and doing some awesome education and context setting once people land to the homepage. So yeah, without mm-hmm. further ado, I'm going to try to, uh, let me try to share my screen here. Tell me, Jake, if you can see this when I jump in. Might take a second. Nothing quite yet. Nothing yet. First one but we're going to look at. The suspense is building, which yeah, is good. What is it going to be actually? Now I've gone ahead. There we go. All right. Now we're just in a hall of mirrors. Now do you see? Oh, yep. Here we, we got go. Figma. Cool. We're, we're big, uh, all right. big Figma users here at LaunchNotes. Yeah, I think we are all daily active users of Figma. Um, and this, uh, Matt called this out. I've always used their, you know, a lot of their stuff. Obviously their design is awesome. Um, I've always used them as an example of like a really killer B2B SaaS site. Yep. Um, a few things, I mean, I'll just call out a few things I, I like and feel free to jump in. We'll kind of figure out how to do this, Jake, but feel free to jump in however you want here. Um, they've got the, you know, we do this too. Like I love the banner bar at the very top here. They've got this like nice kind of green that pops. They're promoting their conference. Um, I think obviously that's really cool. It's not like intrusive. It doesn't get in the way. I think the kind of concern whenever you introduce sort of standalone things like this onto, you know, especially like above the fold on the homepage is like, oh my God, are we going to change the conversion rate? Or is everyone going to go like click this link to our conference and not check out the product? And is that going to affect our business? Blah, blah, blah. So like, yeah, for like some very good reasons, like the above the fold of the homepage can be like a very sort of gated you know, marketing asset or sort of walled, walled garden. That's hard to, you know, experiment with or add different CTAs to, or get creative with. 
thankfully a lot of companies do stuff like this. I always say it's great. I'd love to see personally more companies push the envelope on this. Um, especially as it relates mm -hmm. to like product launches, obviously we, you know, product launches are near and dear to us here at launch notes. I'm surprised at the amount of companies who will have like a big product launch and they'll do all the stuff around the launch. They'll have the emails and the paid campaigns and the social media posts and the landing page and the blog post and the events. And they'll have, you know, the sales enablement they'll do, you know, front to back this amazing product launch and kind of own the day around that product launch. And, you know, they've got the CTAs that point you to all the right places and the website's updated and all that, but you go to their homepage on that day and it's like, eh, business as usual. Like there's nothing like you go to the homepage, there's nothing that would indicate like, Hey, today's a significant day. We did this thing. Go check it out. I think, um, mm -hmm. Like Apple does a good job of this. Like if you go to apple.com on the day a new iPhone's announced, like yeah. there's a homepage <clears throat> takeover, like the new iPhone is the homepage that day. And maybe that's like on the extreme side, but I think there's something to that, that, you know, I'd like to see us experiment with. I'd love to see more, you know, B2B sites experiment with is just like, how can we, you know, make the homepage, the above the fold on the homepage feel more like an event the day we do a big launch. So stuff like this is a good start, yeah. but I think there's even more potential here. Something we, I love that thinking, something we've talked about here at launch, as, as you know, we've got our embed, um, which mm -hmm. typically customers use in app. We've also seen some customers use it kind of in help docs and on mm -hmm. login screens. There's a lot of cool applications, but that still gives you like a, a very truncated view of, it's just, it's, it's more of a feed than anything. Mm -hmm. um, something that came up pretty early on was, could we develop either with our current embed or a new embed that would do exactly that, Blake, and allow you to, to, to embed something in your website, but it had more visual elements and you could have more control over it. And that way you embed it once. I think that's the reason why people often don't do it is because you know, we've launched four new features in the last four weeks and like changing the website, changing our homepage four times in four weeks is just, it's a lot. Um, but it's like, maybe we could do some sort of embed mm. <clears throat> that would allow you to do a screenshot uh, add some copy and then take you to the the, the page. But I think you're right. Um, I, I think there's, there is a huge missed opportunity yeah. to get what, what's, what's new, fun and exciting today, you know? Right. Um, and people right. do like to be, they like to be where momentum is. They like to know that your company is, right. is moving and shaking and making yeah. improvements and that's an easy way to do it. So, yeah. Um, just quickly back to Figma, I, yeah. something I noticed they, they've done at the top, which I, as I'm, as I'm looking at it now, I don't know if I've ever seen before. Uh, or at least not done this way is at the top, they've got the English drop down, which I'm assuming is just, you can change the language sort of in real time. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, so it's com completely, you know, it changes every single element on the page, including all the stuff that's. Um, yeah. Wow. Or the, 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 the rotating CTAs and all that it or, or rotating headers. It just changes it all to be in different, completely fluent to different um, languages, which is pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Exactly. <clears throat> Clearly, they're not letting Google Translate try to figure out design terms and and spit out something that. That's a good um, point. Yeah, that Google thinks it is. They they want they want control over it, which I think is. That's a that's a good point. Pretty neat to see. Yeah. So it's a level of detail I haven't seen. I I want to call this out. They do such a nice job with. Obviously, they're pros at design. That makes sense. But 
they do such a nice job with like incorporating motion into a lot of the visuals on their page. And a lot of times it's subtle or it's like it's used as texture or it's not some giant like flashing screen where you have to like read four different pages as it moves around and you know, you, you can't keep up. It'll be like little kind of like stylistic flourishes like this. Mm -hmm. This is a little more like kind of telling a story with motion, but I just think stuff like this is just like so engaging. Um, and you can tell they've also kind of yep. planned this around what's the experience as you scroll. Right. And I'm sure if you're on mobile, this looks great too, but it's like, it feels like a cohesive, you're not just jumping from one chunk to the next chunk. Like it kind of feels like just like a unified experience as you scroll. Mm. And that's like, you know, just like a kind of great job of like knowing the user and building for the way, you know, real people navigate a website. I love it too. The, the, the real test. And I agree with you for the, I think the magic to this is just how subtle it is. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the real test on, on, on whether or not this, this works is, is looking at the site. I'm sure they have, cause it's Figma and they're yeah. very detail oriented, but yeah. it's to look at it on mobile and see, uh, do all these things still, still work on, on mobile and how do they look? Mm -hmm. Um, that's having, you know, built a lot of websites and worked with a lot of teams building websites. Like it looks great on, you can get it to look great on the computer, but the real test of time is like, can you, can you replicate this experience on mobile, which is often yeah very challenging. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's beautiful and it's effective as hell. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It looks, it looks really nice. I, a, a discussion I, I ran across on LinkedIn recently, which I think is an interesting one is, is on the, um, on the H ones, the headers that, that write and rewrite themselves. Oh yeah. And, like, like a dynamic, like a dynamic heading. Yeah. And, and, uh, someone put out some report that said, you know, they had statistics that said that, that, uh, dynamic headers don't work. Obviously we're using one right now. So I was interested to, to, to dive into that. I don't know how you get, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but, um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I feel like it's a, now it's a pretty common, it's common enough that I don't think it's, I don't find it jarring. I, you know, as long as you get the timing right and you don't, it's not, it doesn't look like it's a strobe light. Yeah. Um, it's an easy way to get multiple, you know, different, a few different value pitches in front of someone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this, this opinion on this hot take on LinkedIn was that people should not do it because you're trying to cram too much in and it's distracting. And yeah, you know, people scroll too quickly and don't see it. Yeah. I, my take on it is like, why not do it? I mean, worst that happens is hopefully your first H1 is still really good. And if that's all they see, great. Yeah. But if it, if you have a clever sentence that rewrites itself two or three times and where you can talk about like our, like our product is a platform where there's lots yeah. of different value. And so it's like, it, it's an easy way for us to talk about different, different aspects of it. But what are your thoughts on the, on the dynamic H1? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, sort of like stepping into that is just like a broader topic. It's like a good example of just like, yeah, it's like anything like trends change and, you know, someone does something innovative and then someone else picks up on it. And then a bunch of other people kind of, follow the leader and then maybe too many people are doing it and it gets kind of played out and folks move on to the next thing. Like that's just like the kind of cyclical nature of trends around, you know, design style, copy, whatever. Um, I think that's a good example of that. Like, I, I can't remember who started it. I feel like Google was doing that with their like, uh, like Google, the G suite, you know, enterprise apps, they had a landing page. For some reason that comes to mind as someone who was doing that like 10 years ago, maybe someone was doing that before them. 
it does feel mm. like something where a lot of people have copied it and maybe missed the point. And I think it's something that's like, you know, like I think we do a really good job of it. And for me, it's, it's one of those things where if it fits your story, if it fits the sort of like the copy and offer and selections that you have, like in a native way, yeah, you can hundred percent pull it off. I think a lot of people have just sort of seen it and for the wrong reasons been like, oh, that's neat. Let's kind of cram whatever into that, um, into that style. And then it's just like, okay, you've just got kind of this like copycat headline here. You don't have like a real native reason for putting it into this format. You kind of just wanted to do it. So I think it kind of, yep. yeah, it kind of comes down with like, what's your message? Where's it coming from? Do you have something where like a dynamic, you know, like a rotating verb or something makes sense or, or not? Right. So yep. yeah, it's, it's like the substance of the message needs to have the fit. Otherwise you're just sort of like doing it for the design effect and then it doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. Few, few, few lazy people that just copied it, ruined it for everybody. I know. That, um, that's how it, that's well, how it goes with anything with design, I think. Yeah, yeah a few rotten apples. Yep. But yep. but no, I think I think that's I think that's right on. It's like it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a crutch because you just can't I think one of the one of the bullet points in this in this hot take was like mm -hmm. it's basically, oh, you can't decide on your your most important value props, so you just try to jam three in and it's like I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. I see it as like you have three really good value props mm -hmm. that you want to connect together. It's like that's a creative, innovative way to do it, in my view. Uh, and I, I don't, I know a lot of companies that do it. I don't find it jarring. Like, but if I want to scroll, I scroll. If I want to sit there and see what they have to say, I, I stay. But mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, that's a great. Um, yeah, it's 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 a great point. Um, I love this. This is the uh, so they've got these like scrolling um, little mm -hmm. testimonial blurbs from customers um and they're like kind of present as you scroll the entire page like they they the conventional thing to do with these i think is you know they're a great company with big fans so they have a lot of them but the conventional thing to kind of do with these is like we're going to cram these all into a panel that's like you know customers or hear from our customers or something um and they've instead just sort of like sprinkled these throughout the entire page that's really cool like these little testimonial blurbs are just like present all the way as you scroll mm -hmm. all the way top to bottom. It's just sort of always there. I think that's really neat. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Let's, it, you uh, got anything else on this or you want to jump to another one? No. Yeah. We were, we were talking about what, what ones um, let's do post hog actually. Yeah. Let's do post hog. Um, there's another, another interesting trend there. I think would be worth digging in, but um yeah, PostHog is a, is a is a service we use, and mm -hmm. uh, just just kind of got into it. I was on, I was just browsing their website the other day because I was trying to figure out, um, <clears throat> you know, just how to get the most out of their out of their products and all that. Um, and I just it it struck me there was just a lot of things on here that I thought, oh, cool. The first thing, and Blake, you and I talk about this quite a bit with just trying to trying to figure out like how we can zig when everyone else is zagging and mm -hmm. doing things that are a bit different. Another topic similar to the dynamic headlines is tabs, which I feel like, you know, again, PostHog is a, is a big platform. It's robust. It does a lot of stuff. So the question back to our original point of like, how do you get that all across in a very short amount of time? You know, for years, I feel like tabs were kind of seen as seen as the, the way to do that. Mm -hmm. um, then the, the conventional wisdom for, I feel like the last four or five years has been tabs are really bad for SEO because 
Mm. You know, Google doesn't know how to read the, the stuff under different tabs or how yeah. to understand that. First of all, I'm kind of like, well, I think, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. if you know more about Google than I do, but I feel like Google can kind of figure, right. kind of figure it out. It's, it's, it's algorithm it's, seems to be fairly powerful at this point. Yeah. I think um, can, yeah. But I, I've never had a problem with tabs. You know, we used to, we yeah. used to, I, I had the same problem with Jira. It's like we were trying to, we had so many features or so many different audiences and we use tabs quite a bit. Mm -hmm. That was always an argument I was having with the SEO guys, but um, yeah. I think they've done tabs here really well. And that's actually the first place I stopped and just said, okay, I can do all these different things. And I just quickly, um, mm -hmm. qu quickly, you know, tabbed through them, mm -hmm. uh, no pun intended. And, and it was super helpful. And I, I thought maybe we should reintroduce tabs. I don't know if you have a, you have a strong on the content strategy side. You have a strong, strong thought for or against. I haven't put a lot of thought into it. Um, but yeah, I can see that as one of those things where like, if, if you think the user experience has improved for it, a hundred percent go for it. Um, in the past, I feel like I've also heard arguments around like, you know, um, like mobile, uh, mobile accessibility around tabs. Like, can you kind of keep the, the tab thing or do you end up like putting buttons that are super small in front of people? I guess people can swipe left and right though. Like, um, they've kind of got like a nice little hybrid here where it's like, it's tabs up top and they're all labeled, but they also have these like carousel buttons. So I imagine if I'm on mobile, I can just like kind of flip through these. Um, I'm all for it. Totally. And, and, and I, I, I think too, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting point around, um, one, just giving people the benefit of the doubt. I used to talk to mm -hmm. my, my team and asking about that all the time. Like never forget that at the end of the day, yes, we're trying to optimize for SEO. Yes. We're trying to move this metric. Yes. We're trying to optimize this, that portion of the funnel and that's all good, but those are numbers on a spreadsheet and you have to balance the qualitative with the quantitative and the qualitative is there's still a human at the other end of this that you're selling to that you're trying to connect with, that you're trying to speak to. Mm -hmm. And so you got to strike that balance. And it's like, I don't think, again, if, if, if a human like me comes to this site and is interested in learning more about postdoc, I can, you know, give me the benefit of the doubt that I know how to click on a tab. I'm right. using a computer right? and don't worry about, okay, we might lose a little bit of the SEO optimization. Right. But as you always say, like if the content's good enough and it resonates enough, you're going to, it's going to work out in the end best for you. Like don't over index yep. on those things. Yep. Yep. Sometimes I think I, um, about this is maybe like my most <laughs> reckless SEO opinion, but like if you have the if you have the best content and best page on the internet for a given topic and Google isn't surfacing it, it's kind of Google's problem. Um, <laughs> like yeah. that's their job to sort of figure out how to find and um and source and index and present the best content on the internet. Now, obviously that's a that's a kind of a you know flip point of view, and you want to. It's a hot take that's going to go viral on TikTok. Yeah, you want, what it you is. want to optimize for, you know, doing the right thing. So you set yourself up for success. But I think there's some truth to the fact that like, you know, Google's constantly tweaking their, you know, the fine tuning their machinery to come to the best content, right? Because they're trying to find out what the best content is instead of, you know, who's done the best job optimizing for SEO success. So if you're objectively doing the best content, um, the people who are doing that sort of the long view of SEO history end up being the winners and the ones who found a hack or, uh, you know, only worried about like the details and not the big picture. Uh, those are the folks who get left behind when there's 
you know, some big update. Those are the, those are the people who are sweating when, when Google changes their, their algorithm. Um, I just want to call out this. I can just, I can just see the, I can just see the, the, the clip now. It's like director of content strategy says, yeah. it's not your problem. It's Google's problem. Yeah, if you're not ranking, that'll that's Google's the, fault. That's Google's problem. Right. Not right. Yours. That'll be the, yep. the clip. Um, I love this here. This, uh, they've got this floating, uh, little CTA widget here. It's uh star us on GitHub and you can jump right in. And so they have, you know, their, um, the kind of foundation of their product is an open source project. So I assume mm -hmm. this takes you right to that project on GitHub and you can leave a ranking, which I'm sure is pretty important for that side of their business. But I just think it's kind of cool how this is floating right there. I think like floating sort of sticky things like this can be hard to pull off. Um, both like well and also back to our back to what we were talking about earlier if you know conventional wisdom mm -hmm. for what it's worth might say hey we don't want to do that because we're trying to drive someone to either start a trial or get on a yeah. demo why are we adding a third cta yeah um clearly they see enough value in it and it probably gives them credibility too i mean you hit this page and you realize pretty quick it's a technical product mm -hmm. and they're probably trying to speak to devs and pms mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they've got ten thousand stars on github is it's a good validation point for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's a good, you know, it's a good place to, it's a good place to make that ask and to not, you know, it's kind of like that conversation about the, you know, the CTAs above the fold. It's like, it's a good example of not being afraid to like put some different ask in front of people or potentially point them in, front, in a different direction. And mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is for, you know, for most products, most folks visiting your site on a day to day, you know, the bulk, unless your conversion rate is 51%, which if that's the case, you know, shoot me an email and we'll have a conversation about, uh, me investing in your company. But, um, <laughs> most people are on your site to check it out, to look around, to find something they didn't see the first time to see what else you can do, or they're going to come back a third time or a fourth time, or, you know, it's, it's not right for them now, but they're just sort of sizing it up because they heard about you. Like that's like the lion's share of traffic to your site. So it doesn't hurt to like give that broad, you know, bulk of people like something else to do. Like, yeah, in this case, like check us out on GitHub or check out the event we have coming up or check out this, you know, check out this report we put out or whatever, like, there's, you know, great ways you can activate those folks who aren't ready to buy yet. And it's just like people get ton of tunnel vision about driving people to sign up and maybe we'll just make the, maybe it'll just make the free trial button bigger. And like people get ton of tunnel vision about that and they miss like opportunities for, you know, cool stuff like this. You know, the other, the other interesting thing about this, this uh, above the fold that I'm looking at here, Blake, that mm. I think is interesting is mm -hmm. these folks know their audience. Again, they're, they're speaking to a technical audience. It's, it's engineers and product, probably product leaders, PMs. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, there's no, what they're doing here is talking about the product. There's no three X your yeah three X your efficiency or save 10 hours a day, or mm -hmm. it's the open source products, uh, product operating system. Mm -hmm. And then a suite of product and data tools built on the modern data stack. Yep. It's like, it is what it is. And this is what, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think again, given their audiences is a hundred percent the right thing to do. It's yeah. Uh, engineers are allergic to marketing speak. So, um, but 
again, a more traditional marketer might look at this without understanding what PostHog does and say, well, again, you're not selling me a better version of myself. You're just telling me what you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they know their audience. And I think that's, this is hundred percent right for their audience. They don't need to, they don't need any fluff. It is what it is. A hundred percent. But I think this is like an awesome, you know, like Matt and I got on the topic of uh, product screenshots and I don't know where you're, where you land on product screenshots, but um, that's another thing where I think a lot of, a lot of companies miss the mark. I really like what they're doing here with, you know, they've got some, if it's not real data, it's like really nice, like uh demo data that could be real data. And mm-hmm. a, a, it helps you as the, as the viewer, like get in the mindset of like, what's it going to feel like to have this product? What's it going to feel like to look at these graphs or what's it going to feel like to see this, you know, to see these logs come up when I have a feature flag or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're doing that like by presenting like real stuff. It's not like, you know, test example, one, two, three, or yeah, here's a bunch of gray lines because this is just a demo and the actual content inside the screen doesn't really matter. Like it kind of pulls you into, I think that's very important to like, pulls you into the scenario and lets you, you know, feel what it's like to be a customer and actually using this thing. It's a big, like missed, you know, opportunity, I think for a lot of companies. Yeah. Something that I'm a big fan of, I've, I've, I've coined the term screen astration. Nice. Um, but I, I, I am a, I'm a huge, huge fan. I mean, there's the, there's the saying about, uh, I'm probably gonna butcher this, but people, people eat with their eyes first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think visual content, whether it be a video or screenshots or whatever, is so important. Mm-hmm. And I've always found from, you know, in the product marketing role for, you know, better half of a decade now. And it's like, it's, it's often very tough to, to capture all the value you want with a single screenshot. And so I find the screen illustration where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, it, it involves a designer and it takes a little bit longer, but you have the designer sort of rebuild mm-hmm. the screen and then take a little bit of artistic liberty. So as you can, as you say, you can really flex and show it, show a dashboard that's, that's mm-hmm. fully populated and, yeah. and, and, and do little things like call outs. You know, I'm a huge fan of the magnifying glass effect, mm-hmm. um, yeah. draw people's eye where you want it. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, it's, I think you're, you're spot on like the, yeah. I'll have to listen to the, listen to the conversation when it goes live on the podcast, but to get Matt's thoughts, but I feel like the visual, the visual element is so important, right? You want people to, yeah. to see it. And again, get engaged with it and go, Oh, cool. That's, that's interesting. I want to read more about that. Or I want to scroll or I want to click on the next tab. I want to see what else they got. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's way easier to do that. in in with, with images or, or screenshots or screen illustrations than it is, yeah. um, with text because people just don't, don't read. That's, that's one of like my go-to like pieces of tactical advice for like product marketers or people who are like, you know, want to be in PMMs or early in their career PMMs. Like, I think learning screenshots and how to like make a great, like kind of production ready, uh, screenshot is such an awesome skill because you have to, yeah, you have to learn a little design. Like you're going to have to like get in Figma and figure some stuff out, which you probably should be doing anyway. It's not extremely, you know, complicated stuff that you are going to be doing in there. Like, yeah, you can like build complexity and get to the point where you're doing the kind of stuff that we were seeing on Figma's homepage a couple seconds ago. Like, sure, like you can pull designers in for stuff like that. But most of the screenshots, like the design lift is pretty light. And it's the product marketer who's 
going to be the one in the best position to know like what's not just like a screenshot of this feature, but what's like a screenshot that's really going to sell this feature or like what's going to really pop or, um, you know, mm -hmm. there's another word that you and I use that I won't right now when we're talking, when we get talking about stuff like this, but it's like, what's really going to like be the version of this widget or this screen or this feature in the product. And what's the, you know, how can I populate that with some nice data and like, what's a scenario the customer might be in that I can sort of like set up in this. And then you kind of go in and you do a little design affectation around it if you want, like whether it's like a magnifying glass or arrows or, hey, I'm actually going to like go, you know, put a little pink border around this one thing to kind of like make that pop on the screen, even though that's yep. not really what's in there. Like I've often said that like a really great uh, marketing screenshot, it's kind of like a, I probably told you this before, it's kind of like the... Uh, magazine ad or billboard ad photo of like a cheeseburger and it's like yeah it's a it's a photo of a cheeseburger but the photo you're looking at the like the lettuce is stapled to the bun and there's you know three coats of um marine lacquer on the on the top bun. <laughs> those sesame seeds are actually you know tiny pieces of gravel it's a totally inedible cheeseburger but yeah it's the burger that you'll buy you know more or less but I think there's yeah. there's some uh, there's some truth to that. It's like probably probably more or less more or less than more. Yeah, more yeah. Or less. It's, it's, but I think you, you get it, and it's like you're like, where, where's the lettuce? Right, right. It's like it, don't bite into that, but it looks delicious. Um, and that's yeah, kind why of, isn't it, why is the tomato black? Shouldn't it be red? Yeah, yeah. That, that's there's a little bit of that. Uh, there's a little bit of that spirit that you should bring into like making a screenshot where it's like, how can this be the thing, but be like the elevated like you know, most delicious looking version of the thing we can do. Um, and I, I, I just think like product marketers are in the best position to, to dive into those. Um, you want to jump into another I, one here? I often, yeah, just one, one more quick yeah. thought on that, that, yeah. that you, what you were saying triggered is I, I think about, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of different roles where you talk about a full stack, right? Like a full mm -hmm. stack engineer. Well, like, I think there's actually a, there's a, there's a full stack PMM mm -hmm. and they're, they're few and far between. They're diamonds in the rough, but I have worked with them and I've seen them. I'd like to think of myself as one, but I've been out of the game so much at this point. I'm probably not anymore. But it's like, in my mind, a full stack PMM is exactly what you're talking about. It's someone that yeah. understands how to write and test good copy, tell a great story, do do a good screenshot, but then they can they can jump into Figma and yep. give it that extra. They're not a designer, but yep. they know enough to, to be dangerous. They can go in and make something, turn something from a from an A minus to an A plus. Um, and they know enough about de demand gen to be able to go into Google or LinkedIn yep. and start their own campaigns and have them actually work. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not going to, it's not their full-time thing. They're demand gen people that do that. Yep. Content's another thing. But I think yep. to your point, the ability to create a great screenshot yep. and really make it pop is so critical. Yep. Um, and even like, you know, here at Launch Notes, we've had Sarah, mm -hmm. our amazing designer. Um, she's, she's created in Figma. Um, uh, uh, um, I don't know what you call it, a tool or uh, what she's actually done, but uh, Adam, our PMM can jump in, put a screenshot and she's basically built the magnifying effect on top of it so that he can just move it around. Right. And then the ma it magnifies the section that he wants to highlight. Yeah. So there's also yeah. just ways to operationalize it, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's back to what I was saying earlier. People uh, eat with their eyes first. So you gotta, you gotta give them something great to look at. It's a good, 
you know, it's a good point around the whole like full stack conversation and like, you know, full sh- full stack, T-shaped, like whatever you kind of end up calling it. Um, and obviously there's, you know, this extends beyond marketing, but just for the sake of our conversation, I'll keep it in marketing world and product marketing world. With the whole full stack thing, it's a great call out because the the lesson or the takeaway isn't that your design will be as as good or better than a designer's design or your website will be as good or better than like, you know, someone who does websites all day or like your video will be as good as someone who does video all day. But, you know, especially when you're at a startup, like, heck, even at a big company too, there's benefits to this. Huge. When you're the full stack person, the trade-off though is just like speed, right? And time mm-hmm. of delivery. When you're able to do some of that yourself, like, yeah, like I could maybe get a better end product for this screenshot or, you know, video or something if I found a designer in the company or outside the company to do it. But as you know, like, what does that often require? It's like, well, now I got to like spec out this whole project and I need to, rather than just like diving in and figuring it out, like I need to sort of like spec out exactly what the ask is going to be and write a brief. And then I need to submit that to the design team and they need to get back to me and ask some questions and they need to, you know, put it in line with all the other stuff that they need to get to. And it could be like this, you know, four or five, six month turnaround before you like get an end product. So if you are like the PMM who can roll up your sleeves and like, Hey, I I made this like demo video or I made this like screenshot that we can throw on the website right now. It might not be as good, but it also might be done this week. So that's the like that's the trade off and that's where like the value really comes in. I think that's that's what people miss. It's not just like comparing the two outputs. It's like what you're able to gain by having that, you know, speed for sure. Yeah, we're and we're getting a little off topic here, but I think it's a fascinating conversation. We should do a, a different uh, discussion on it. But yeah, and and speed, you probably heard me talk about this, but I think these days, largely in the SaaS world, because because the barrier to entry is so low. I think it just gets lower and lower as, you know, more people, more people get access to the internet and, and computers and, and just tech. And, um, and then there's no code stuff. That's actually for the first time making real ways, things like mm-hmm. Webflow. Yeah. Um, but because of that speed and user experience, I think are the two things that these days separate the winners from the losers. And it's like, how fast can you execute across the board? And so your point, right. it's a huge advantage. Right. Um, I've right. seen the full stack thing pop up with designers recently as well. Mm-hmm. Start to think about like a full stack designer that can, you know, they know enough and they can be dangerous enough to go do some of the, the research and then they can, mm-hmm. they can actually go do the design. Then they can build the prototype. Yep. You know, that's an amazing, and it, like to your point, it might not be perfect. I've, yeah. I've worked with designers that can't do it. It's like, okay, it, it's not. I understand there's a whole there's a whole craft and a particular person we could hire, but but damn, is it nice to have someone that can just do the figure out the problem, you know, suss it out, do some research around it, come up with a few different ways to yeah. solve the problem, hop on a few calls and and get customers perspective, mm-hmm. then put in a prototype that we can people can kick the tires on and engineers can sort of understand what they're building before they jump in. It's oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Again, probably a conversation another day, but it is interesting. And and you're right. Yeah. It's it's speed. Yeah. Yeah. To have one person doing that is fifty times faster than passing that around between three people. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll do this for future. We'll do future episodes. We'll do full stack. Maybe we'll do full stack product marketer, and we'll do full stack product manager. 
I need to talk to a PM about what that looks like. That'd be interesting. What's a full stack PM? Yeah. Get to that. Um, yeah. You want to do one more here? Sure. I mean, if, if you want, we could jump over to Dovetail. That was the other one yeah, that I was I was thinking of that I, I take a lot of um, inspiration from. Yep. And, and interesting to kind of compare and contrast what we just looked at. The other way to do it, which they've done, if you don't want to do tabs, mm. um, and they're interesting conversation here that we can talk about because they've done a very long homepage where everything's there. But as you scroll, you notice that those, they have, they have, you know, different parts of their website, different oh, cool. um, yeah. key functionalities. And you see it just each section of the website has yeah. covers those three different pillars. And then the nav at the top just scrolls with you. So you know where you are, but you can also hop to another point. So that's, that's oh, sort of the, cool. the compare and contrast of the tabs. Like they could have done this with tabs left to right, but instead they just allow you to scroll or jump. Mm -hmm. But because of the sticking nav, you always know where you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I thought it was, or I think it's pretty cool. This is incredible. I've, yeah, I've obviously been here before you, but yeah, this is really cool. I know this is always like a go-to, a go-to reference point for you, but I, yeah, I love this. They're doing an awesome job with, I mean, speaking of, you know, like screenshots and, and video, like the, the kind of quick, you know, like most people would call this a GIF, like technically it's probably not for technical reasons, but essentially we have like a GIF showing the product, like showing a couple different things. And it's like all the stuff we've been talking about, like there's great like data inside this. And like, you kind of feel like you're in the middle of a story. Um, you know, you feel like you're in the middle of a scenario stuff's moving around. Like this stuff is not like I can attest to this stuff is not like easy to put together. Um, and they've done a great job with this. And you look at something like this. Pro probably be beyond the beyond the skills of a full stack PMO. Yeah, as a as a self um, <laughs> as a self designated full stack PMM, I can attest to that because I've <laughs> I've tried mm -hmm. to do some stuff like this before, and this is like advanced. This is really cool. Yeah. So essentially, they're yeah, and just got these and just screens. and as we're as we're just looking at different different designs and and the way different people set stuff up, you know, mm -hmm. they've clearly taken a, an approach where they're okay with people scrolling. Yeah. And that's what they want. They want people to just keep scrolling. Mm -hmm. Like instead of saying, Hey, go over here to learn about this portion of the, of, of the product versus this portion of the product versus this part. They're just assuming people are going to, are going to keep scrolling. And, um, that's again, I'm sure a lot of people have different thoughts on that because the homepage is like a mile long, but mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting and I think it works. It works for them. I love the, um, you know, we kind of made some jokes about attention span, but I think it is a real thing. And like, I think the, the other part of attention span is, is there's like so many things for people to, you know, I kind of give, you know, viewers and audiences uh, a pass on the attention span argument because there's just so much shit to look at these days too. Like you don't have three tools for work that the IT person is going to evaluate. There's thousands and you don't have, you know, three channels to pick through. You've got millions of things happening, you know, in your feeds and on your, on your screens every day. So like a lot of the attention span stuff is just a defense mechanism. I say that to say I'm, and I know we've talked a bit about this, uh, at launch notes. I'm excited with what we can do with it. I think there's a lot of potential in, um, and it's not just like TikTok. That's like one format, one forum for this, but like, short format video storytelling like what you mm -hmm. what can you do in whether it's anything from like a couple seconds like we're seeing on some of these homepage product gifts that dovetails doing 
to maybe like a one or two minute, you know, on the long side, I would maybe cap it at like two or three minutes. And maybe that's like a, you know, a video that plays in a LinkedIn feed or a video that you can send to a prospect or put in an email campaign or something. But, um, yep. I think short format, super visual, you know, um, a lot of like, like with like motion and action and like, you're right in the story. Like, I think like telling product stories and doing product marketing like that, whether it's a feature or a problem your product solves or like a specific way to, you know, to do something that, Hey, look at this, you can do this automatically now. And this is some task that you probably do manually twice a week. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in that. So it's exciting to see stuff like this. Yeah, I, I love that. And we talked about a lot about it. I'm excited to, to get into some of those with you. Um, cause I, I agree with you. I think there's a, there's a new world of like video shorts that, that can be very powerful, um, as a, as a format, the interesting topic to me on that, on that line of thinking is whether or not you use like how, basically how polished they are. Um, mm. and I think cause, cause loom, mm -hmm. loom has sort of come onto the scene in the last few years and, and changed the way a lot of people are doing asynchronous work. You know, we use it heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, they're obviously they're also a big customer of ours and we just really love supporting them as a business, but for the asynchronous world we live in, it's great, but I think it goes beyond that. I would almost say, and let me get your thoughts on this. Some people might look at a loom. If you want to, you know, create a little demo instance and then create a 90 second loom that to your point, walks people through a, a problem solution, et cetera. I think a, a, a lot of more traditional marketers might look at that and go, man, that's unpolished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it just kind of looks like shit. Why would, you know, is that worthy for the homepage? Mm. I would play devil's advocate and say, I think, yes, it might be a little more quote unquote unpolished. However, first you get speed, but I think more importantly, you get a human connection, mm -hmm. which yeah. I think people are really missing these days. I mean, I think for the last 10 years, as SaaS has blown up, as I was saying earlier, mm -hmm. people just are so obsessed with marketing metrics and funnel optimization. Also, they forget that it's a human yeah. at the other end of that screen. Yep. And, and then on top of that, I think with the remote first world and everything that happened throughout COVID, um, you and I have talked about this, like it's <laughs> people are, people are lonely. Like it's, you don't get that, you don't get that natural connection with other people like that you used to going into the office. And so I think that there's an added, there's a really powerful benefit to having, having your face there and, and someone talking and it's like, oh, this is another human that's taking me through this. Yep. And whether it's subconscious or not, I think there's something to that. And so you yeah. might lose out on the polish of it, but I think actually having someone's face there mm -hmm. saying, hey, I'm Blake, let me, yeah. you know, I've been a PMM my whole career. I struggle with this. Mm -hmm. we, we, we do it. I found a great solution with launch notes. Let me show you quickly how it works. Yeah, I think that goes a lot farther these days. And I think there might be a swing back towards that kind of communication and a little more informal and a little more personal at the same time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's more there's more tolerance and just like acceptance around, you know, around that than ever before. And it's like, yeah, people are communicating through, you know, gifts and memes and screenshots and, you know, um, FaceTime all day you know, inside and outside of work. And like, it's less, you know, it's, it's kind of like an old fashioned thing to be like, well, this is like coming from a company. So it's gotta be, but there's like, you know, there's like a spectrum to it. Right. Like, um, but what I think a problem that sort of all the kind of production polish and especially with big companies can fall into this trap big time. 
the I've seen a lot of marketing assets with great production polish on an otherwise pretty boring video or a pretty uncaptivating story or like a lifeless hook mm -hmm. or no hook at all. And it's just like, cool. Like you've put a lot of, you know, <laughs> you've put a lot of like sheen onto like an otherwise like really boring asset. And in a lot of ways that polish can like hide just how unremarkable the asset is. And yeah, like with a, if you have a loom video, like the one you described, like to me, like a big part of the, the sort of like the polish and the delivery of it is like, do you know your customer well enough to know their pain points, their specific, you know, fears, problems, challenges, the language they speak in the, you know, the things they work on, the stuff they do, the, the way they talk about things. Do you know your product well enough to know how the product solves that and an efficient way to do that? And like what a customer is going to go through if they're solving it, what the best way to do it in your product is, do you know how to like weave that all together into like a captivating scenario and story and, you know, have a hook that's going to grab someone's attention and have, you know, the right screenshot firing at the right time, such that the solution you set up in sort of act one of your 11 second vignette is resolved by act three. And it's like, <laughs> if you get all that sorted out, if I see a marketer do that or someone making a video do that, I'm like, hell yeah. Like we can move this from loom to, you know, Adobe and clean it up or whatever. Um, but if you've done like the, the front end of all that, and know the story and the customer and the product so well that you can sell that way. The polish, whether it's loom or, you know, some Hollywood production quality thing to me is sort of like secondary, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. it's way easier to slap great polish onto, onto that. Once you have it, the problem is a lot of people don't have that first part and they're just putting polish on like an otherwise pretty unremarkable thing. And then they're just like shrugging their shoulders going like, I don't know, I guess people don't like this. Yeah, it's a great point. I think, you know, to, to, to in my view, basically what you're saying is at the end of the day, like con content is king and it has to be, you have to, it has to have a, you have to have a story that resonates, you know, mm -hmm. and all the, all the, regardless of the, of the medium or the format, if yeah. the story doesn't, doesn't pack a punch and, and resonate immediately, right? it's like nothing else we're going to do is going to matter and how informal or whether you use loom or, you know, iMovie uh, and, and right. a third-party agency. If the story, if the story's not there, the story's not there. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. So I think and that is, is great. Yeah, that's the trap. I think a <clears> lot a of people, point. whether it's talking about a specific feature or your company overall, I think that's the that's the trap a lot of people fall into is they they think the solution is going to be throw more production value or more, you know, real post-production shine on it uh, when really it's the problem is farther up the value chain. It's Yep. how you talk about it, how well you know your customers, how well you know the problem, all that. Just being conscious of time here, I know we're almost to an hour, but if you want to scroll up, there's, yeah, there's one other thing I wanted to call out that I think yeah. um, these, these this team does really well and um, not surprising, I guess, in some way, because one of the founders I know has a design background, but I, I just love how much how much uh, thinking and, and time, and I know how, how much time this takes. Uh, they've invested heavily in their own Sort of in their own design system and their and a whole brand look and feel um, that's just very consistent throughout and like even all those we used to call them meeples um, you know on that homepage and that whole 
it's it's very abstract. It's like the perfect, I think, mix of like, mm-hmm. you know, it, abstract illustrations and people. Mm-hmm. Very on brand for them. Mm-hmm. That if I saw these anywhere, I would know it was Dovetail. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously a customer research tool, so a lot of the stuff that is on there is is related to that and looks enough like it that you can you would notice that. But it's also just they they can because it's such a it's such a wide. Um, there's so much breadth in, in the characters they've created and the scenes they've created and all the assets they have, they can kind of just bring it to life in a way that you can't without this kind of design system and, mm-hmm. and brand aesthetic. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But it takes a lot of time to kind of build this out and be consistent with it. And I think they've done it. I think they've done it well here. Um, yeah. It's, it's I like, very cool. I totally agree. This is, um, this is great. And it's very, you know, it's unique to them. It's, you know, um, it's, <clears throat> familiar enough that if you came back to their stuff or like you, if you saw this and then you saw a billboard of theirs and then you saw, and I think that's a lot of what, like kind of why this kind of thing is so important in like, you know, traditional branding and brand development and kind of consumer package. Good branding does this really well where it's like, I could see this and then I could see the billboard and then I could see, you know, the out of home ad in the subway. And then I could see the, you know, the landing page on my phone and like, maybe without even knowing it, I'm like kind of like connecting the dots there. Right. That's kind of creating a cohesive experience as I have all these kind of like branding touches. And I think that's a a big reason why this kind of thing is important because otherwise you're trying to talk to your market in all these different ways, but the customer never really connects the dots because, you know, visually aesthetically you haven't done that in the first place. So yeah. Very, very cool. It also just gives gives you, it gives you so much more room to just be creative with your, your imagery and your your brand, yeah. you know, because if you don't have these, you're basically working with colors and containers and yeah. you know screenshots and stuff. Yeah. But this adds a whole other element of yeah depth, I would say. And so, dude, this was a lot of fun. Work. We should uh, we should do this again and sort of like let's do this again and crowdsource websites from people somehow. Like we'll go on social and we'll go to our community and stuff and we'll like crowdsource some suggestions of sites. And then we'll talk about those because I feel like you and I could love just, it. Yeah, I could just like, talk I agree. about a lot of sites all day long. So we'll do it again. No, thanks for uh, the invite, and yeah, we'd love to keep. We'd love to keep doing it. this. Is this is fun? Yeah, super fun. Thanks, Jake. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Yes. Thank yeah. you, Blake. Have a good Friday. Yeah, you too. See ya. See ya.